This episode was recorded in 2022. Welcome to Returnity. I'm Letty Gordon-Furs, founder of The Springback Guide. Every week, we'll be diving into the pressing need for better support on women's back-to-work journeys after maternity leave. You'll hear real-life stories from working mums where motherhood has transformed their careers and get an inside look at the industry leaders at the forefront innovating in this space. Ready? Let's go. Welcome, Jess. Hi, thanks so much for having me on. So what I ask all of my guests is, where are you in the world right now and what can you see in front of you? So right now I am in Northamptonshire and I'm in my front room looking at my desk. Tell me about your immediate family unit. Who is in it? So my husband, Courtney, and then we have four children. So we have Nell, who is eight. Teddy, who's six, and then we got twin boys, uh, Hugo and Otto, who are four. Now that is a handful. Yeah, (laughs) that's a bit of a surprise. Wow, that, yeah, that really is a lot on your plate. I feel like we've got lulled into this full sense of security because Nell came along first, this Reem baby. She was, she is still so good. She's super helpful, bless her. And then we've got Teddy, who uh, they're about 18 months apart. And then the twins came along two years later. And yeah, I mean, the twins was a massive shock. We found out actually when my husband was the other side of the world, he was in New Zealand. And because it was the third time round, I just went for the scan with my mum. Just thought, you know, it'd be a regular scan. And the sonographer, she had her screen on, but not the main screen. And she was like scanning away and she went, oh, do twins run in your family? <laughs> and I was like, no. And she flicked on the main screen and then there was two little babies wriggling around. I think I swore first and then <laughs> cried for a bit. <laughs> and then I cried? reaction. I think a lot of it was to do with because, you know, we had one pram, we had one crib, we've got a car, we've got a house that all fits like for three kids and two adults. And I was just thinking, oh my God, how are we going to do this? So yeah, my immediate reaction was to cry. And then I think I told Lauren first, who is the co-founder with me on the Mum Club. And then I told my husband once he got off the plane from New Zealand, because I wouldn't tell him over the phone. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was a big surprise. <laughs> I think if you told him over the phone, you'd get, get quite a lot of silence the far end. And you need to see someone's face, don't you? To yeah, absolutely. I was really overwhelmed with shock. But his reaction, he just laughed and he thought it was hilarious and brilliant and exciting. (laughs) And his reaction actually made me go, okay, this is fine. Like, we'll do this. It'll work. So, yeah, it was actually quite nice. That's mad. And if anybody actually knows Jess, I don't really understand how you have four children. Were you quite a young mum? So I was 21, nearly 22 when I had nails. But, yeah, looking back, I was very young. I spent most of my 20s in the depths of nappies and no sleep and all that stuff. So I've just turned 30 and I feel like I'm always getting a new lease of life, some kind of freedom back. You know, the kids are getting older, they're getting to an age where you can go for lunch and kids aren't chucking food all over the place. And it's a lot more enjoyable in that sense. Like I definitely miss babies. But yeah, my husband's had the snip now. It was I was very young, but I wouldn't change it. I had my first at 29. So to have kids at 
in your 20s, but not just 20s, your early 20s. Yeah. How was that at the time? Were you the only person that you knew who was having babies? What was that like? So my husband, he's he plays rugby professionally and their career starts really young. He was probably getting to the top of his playing career at this stage. So, you know, most people are like just starting out in careers and he's accomplished a lot. And the people around us, we were probably the youngest out of the crowd and they were settling down and having families and getting married. And that was normal to us. And, you know, we'd spend our weekends at the rugby with all these families and then throughout the week he'd train and I'd spend time with the girls or before actually I had now I was at university and so it was normal for us it seemed the right direction that we were going in so yeah it didn't seem too shocking and actually a group of my friends all did have children quite young there was obviously my university friends who were like oh my god it was a bit of a shock Whereas my girlfriends from home were all in similar situations. So at the time, it seemed very normal. It slotted into our life. But yeah, looking back, we, we were very young. Yeah. And I think specifically, when I think about my own mum, she'd had all her kids by the time she was 29. But that's, I mean, that's essentially the same as you, right? Yeah. So where are you actually from and how did you meet Courtney? So I'm actually from uh, Cheshire, a place called Nantwich, but nobody's ever really heard of it. I grew up on a dairy farm in the middle of nowhere, had a really nice upbringing, kind of lots of freedom, essentially. And then I moved to London for university and I met Courtney down in London. And yeah, the the rest is really history, (laughs) as they say. It was three mutual friends and they were actually down in London training. I believe it was with an England camp. So they were down in London because he he plays for Northampton and he has done for years. That's why we live here. So yeah, it was three mutual friends. They were down in London and then he actually went on tour. It would have been a World Cup the Australia World Cup and we didn't see each other for I'd say five to six months it was a make or break situation so it worked for us. Tell me about what you did pre-baby I mean this is an interesting one because usually when I ask my guests this obviously they've had kids a little bit later and they've had careers beforehand but for you you were at university so what were you studying? I was actually studying a classical and contemporary dance degree Wow. Yeah, I I always really enjoyed it. It was a brilliant degree to do. I don't think I had a view of what would come of it at the end. There's obviously lots of jobs in the arts, but I think I just chose the degree because I enjoyed doing that. And there's a lot of pressure on, oh, you need to pick your degree to follow on to your career. And actually, it doesn't always work like that. You don't always end up with the decision you make at 17 with that career path. So I just did something I enjoyed and I loved it. had a great time. You must have been in the like proper throes of uni life, going out. So getting pregnant, was it something that was a surprise? What happened? So with my degree, we had a lot of training. There was a lot of dance sessions. So yes, the first year we probably did the usual freshers stuff. But <laughs> yeah. It wasn't your stereotypical degree in the sense that you have a couple of classes a week and then you could, you know, spend the, the rest of the time dossing around. So um, it actually wasn't that type of experience, my uni experience. We spent a lot of time training and gosh, if you went in with a hangover to a ballet class, you'd know about it. It wasn't quite the same. I did fall pregnant towards the end of my degree. We did 
make a mutual decision that we wanted to start a family. So it wasn't a surprise. I think the only surprise was how quickly it happened. I mean, proven time and time again that we're highly fertile. So it didn't take very long to fall pregnant. So I had a couple of months after my degree and I actually did my final show pregnant. They say babies in the womb can hear um, and resonate with music once they're born. And the track that was played in the final show, we obviously heard it a lot. And we used to play it when she was born, when she was a couple of months old. And I, I felt like she knew she recognized the music. So yeah, that was lovely. She's eight now, which is just blowing my mind because I just can't believe you're 30 with an eight-year-old. So she's in year three, is that right? She is in year three, yes. Knows what she wants. She's my right-hand man as well. Like, she's brilliant. She's my friend, my daughter. And, you know, they talk a lot about how you grow with your children. You know, I was very young mm. when I had her and I've definitely grown with her. So I feel like we have a very close bond and she is my only daughter. So I love boys. Mm. They're brilliant. Yeah, my bond with Nell is something else. I am actually jealous because I've got two boys because it just sounds so wonderful. But how was your pregnancy with Nell and how was your birth? So I was still performing quite a bit with Nell when I was pregnant. So I basically ate my way through that pregnancy um, because <laughs> I felt like if I was hungry, I'd feel sick. There was a lot of carbs. I quite enjoyed the fact that I kept going. I don't think I would have boded too well sat on the sofa all the time. And so the pregnancy went quite quickly. I did feel sick some of the time, but it wasn't too bad. And then throughout each pregnancy, it was slightly worse. So I was a bit more poorly with Teddy. And then with the twins, I was <laughs> not in a good place. They definitely sucked the life out of me. They were really big twins. Uh, they were born about a month early and they were £6.6 six and £6.4. So they... <gasps> no, come on. Yeah, they were big boys. So I was poorly and it was, it felt like a very long pregnancy, but they were super big, healthy twins, which was amazing. I mean, we didn't have to stay in, they needed no special care. It was brilliant. So in that sense, we're very lucky. I am literally amazed. Like both my boys, one was six, five. I mean, yes, they were, they were both in there. <laughs> you had 12 pounds of baby in your tummy. But that must have been a really different pregnancy compared to your other ones. Absolutely. My husband had to take on a lot more with the older two. And I had very specific cravings, a certain type of ham salad sandwich, smoked mackerel pate, like the demands <laughs> were strong. But yeah, they just zapped everything out of me. Like I had a week where I didn't go for a week, even though I was taking on liquid. A week? Um, yeah. So trip to the hospital for that one. I feel like there's a lot more now around pregnancy sickness. It's taken a lot more seriously. But at the time I went to out of hours after four hours, got sent to A&E, had to sit in A&E waiting room. And I was like last on the list. We were there for hours. And I just said, I just want to go home. So I actually didn't get any help in that scenario where now I feel like there's more support around pregnancy and sickness. So I didn't have the best pregnancy with the twins in the sense that mm. I was very well, but I had a great pregnancy in the sense that they were just thriving. I think being young definitely helped me through that. It was yeah, more carefree, I think, back then. Whereas I'd say if I got pregnant now, I know more and I'm aware of more and I have more worries. I probably would have felt very differently. That naivety can be a blessing as well yeah. as a curse because sometimes we know what you don't know can't hurt you. So it's a really mixed one. And I've actually had followers of the podcast just say that they almost feel like sometimes they know too much and yeah. that it can also create a lot of fear around pregnancy and birth. But having twins is your final pregnancy and there is so much more risk generally in that type of birth. So were your healthcare providers quite careful to talk to you about the risks 
Yeah, when you have a multiple birth, you have a consultant that should be the same person throughout and you see them a lot more, obviously, than just your scans. So you do have more care and more checkups, which was comforting. But then there was things like I remember being told, I think I was about 20 weeks and they said there is this chance and it's about a 50% chance of you losing one twin where one grows bigger than the other. And I said, oh, well, I'm 20 weeks now. So that statistic must go down. And he said, no, that is throughout your pregnancy. So that's quite a high number to know. That's huge. I did not know that. And I had really good births with my older two and I was almost a bit gutted that I just presumed straight away I'd have to have a C-section and I didn't. And it wasn't because I pushed for it or anything. And it it was because my consultant saw my past records and they knew that everything went particularly well the first two times. So there's no reason why I shouldn't go again for two. And yeah, like I say, it was a brilliant experience. And I do feel like I had great support and the care was brilliant. So I felt although it was a more high risk situation, I felt like I was supported throughout aside from Mm. the sickness. (laughs) Yeah. Aside from that, I mean, it does sound like it was such a huge strain, but you said with your first pregnancy that you quite literally danced your way through it, but you had two years between your first and second. So how did your second compare in terms of pregnancy? So I think Nell was around nine months when we fell pregnant with Teddy. So they're about 18 months apart. The pregnancy probably took more of a toll on me that time. And that was probably because I was looking after a toddler. Can't just go to bed and forget everything. You know, you've got to sort out the next day and sort out everybody else. So the side of things that I felt worse was the tiredness. And, you know, when you're really tired and you're pregnant, you probably feel sick and all those things, everything. You don't come first when you've got more children to look after. So, yeah, it was a slightly different experience because, yeah, you can't just lay on the sofa. (laughs) They're at the age where they don't just want to sit and do nothing because they're on so you have to entertain them. Courtney spends a lot of time away so how was that in terms of your support system at home? Did you have people helping you out? I think he went on a tour when the twins were about four or six weeks old. That was probably the most challenging time and it's one of those memories that I've blocked out. I actually can't remember what it was like. (laughs) I think I was just going through the motions, feed, sleep, thought the oldest two, you know, just get on with it. And that was a challenging time. My parents live a couple of hours away. And yeah, we actually did end up getting in some paid help. I think I was about a month into that tour and we ended up getting a girl in to come and help. And that was a blessing. But yeah, it's, it is a challenge, but we like a challenge. So. Your parents being a couple of hours away, that's really tough. And what about your in-laws? What about Courtney's parents? Courtney's parents are slightly closer to us, but they all still work. They're all still in in employment or self-employed or whatnot. So they have their own commitments. That is something that you don't really think about because people are having babies so much later these days. Most people's parents are retired or at least like scaling down by the time you have kids. But if you have children young, I mean, they're all, yeah, they're all still working. (laughs) Yeah, they are. So you said that Courtney went away when the twins were four to six weeks old. How was your feeding experience with all four? I didn't have much expectations with my first pregnancy. Again, I think it was because I was quite young. I don't think I was that aware of the stigmas around breastfeeding that come up now. So I thought, you know, if I can breastfeed, I will. I'll give it a go. If not, there was bottles and formula in the cupboard. So I did give it a go. My milk didn't actually come in for, say, five to six days, but there was not a lot coming out. So that kind of has an effect on how it goes. So she did go onto the bottle and then I pumped and I did the same for all of them. Pumped when my milk came in for 
not a very long time, a couple of weeks, maybe, maybe a bit longer, but they were all bottle babies. And pumping has its own challenges and I had real challenges with that so you said it yourself but I guess having babies a lot younger there's less of that I mean it's totally wrong but that stigma around bottle feeding and obviously with what you do now you must be so much more aware of that so did you find that you felt differently about bottle feeding with your second and your third pregnancies or did you just feel much the same because you've done it before yeah I mean I'd like to think I'm a particularly laid back person so I'm very much easy life you know whatever works for your family works and so it never occurred to me I should really be trying past five days to get the latch again we got into a routine everybody was happy the baby was fed I've never really had an opinion on whether formula feeding or breastfeeding is better it's just whatever works for you so that's what we did and I, I never really gave it another thought And I think that's personally how it should be. It is your experience that is the biggest thing that counts. And if you are not happy as mum, then babies aren't going to be happy either. And particularly by the time you get to number three and number four, I mean, (laughs) as long as everybody is asleep, like you're good. Yeah, just got to keep them alive at that point. (laughs) What did you do between number one and number two? Because 18 months, that is a small gap. So again, going back to my husband's career, we're, we're very dictated by that. So we could move at the drop of a hat. He's away a lot. It was very hard for me to commit to work. I knew I didn't want to go back and do performance. Everything's very London centric. You know, you should commit your life to performing. So it'd be very hard to have a family around that. So me and my husband actually started a property development company and we still have that now. We always knew that was something we wanted to do to set up for retirement, which sounds crazy saying when you're 30, but actually rugby players retire particularly young. So we had to set something up for our future and property is what we went into. So for the past, I'd say nine years, we've been building a property portfolio. So that is what I delved into and I can do that from anywhere, really. I can do that from bottle feeding in bed if I need to. So it worked you can just run it all from your phone I guess so in terms of other I guess I'm not going to say wags but (laughs) wives and girlfriends of other players must have at least been a lot of solidarity for you to have other women that were going through something similar so did you provide each other with a lot of support yeah it feels like a family you know you see them Mm. weekly you're all going through similar stuff I mean When the boys get injured, you're guaranteed to get a message from a couple of the girls like, oh my God, I hope you're okay. Not them, you. So uh, (laughs) yeah, there's there's definitely a support system there. The girls are brilliant. They've all got their own stuff going on. They're pretty inspiring, really. And you get to meet people from all over the world. You are their family. You know, Christmas comes around and the table's full of all your friends because they can't Mm -hmm. pop home to New Zealand or South Africa or wherever to to go back and see family because rugby plays through. So it's a lovely family unit. It is great. It must be crazy because when it comes to things like parenting, there aren't that many other professions where somebody else's career just completely dictates your own life. Yeah. So that must be quite a big adjustment. But is Courtney a hands-on kind of dad as much as he can? He's brilliant. He actually took up cooking the first lockdown and that has been the best thing that's ever happened. (laughs) (laughs) But no, when he's home... Generally, they finish around two, three o'clock. So he's around in the afternoon. It helps with school pickup, bath time, all of the above. He loves getting the kids out in the garden, playing sports with them, takes them to their clubs. Yeah, he's great with them. And he's never away that long. So, Mm. yeah, we miss him, but it's almost quite nice. It's 
I always think it's nice to miss somebody, isn't it? And then you uh, really <laughs> relish their, the time with them when they're back. Sorry to interrupt. Are you a woman on a career comeback journey or a business looking to empower your female employees during their returnities? Well, let me introduce you to the Springback Guide, a revolutionary digital coaching product that's changing the game for women and businesses alike. Our Springback Guide is designed to help women go back to work feeling happy and confident. It's like having a personal coach right on your phone, guiding you every step of the way. Plus, now here's the real game changer, it costs just a fraction of the price of conventional coaching. No more time-consuming and expensive coaching sessions. With Springback Guide, we're putting the power in your hands, right where it belongs. We're not just changing the game, we're changing the way women and businesses consider returnity. So, if you're looking to make your career come back with confidence, or if you're a business looking to empower your female workforce and want to find out more, visit us at springbackguide.com or follow us on Instagram at springbackguide and join the revolution today. So obviously you've dedicated a huge amount of your personal life to your kids for the last eight years. What inspired you to start the mum club? Because it sounds like you've already got rather a lot on your plate. Yeah, well, I actually met Lauren, my co-founder. It would have been 2016 World Cup. And at this time, I would have had Nell and Teddy, who was very young. And Lauren was about to get married um, and start their family. So we were chatting quite a lot about motherhood and how it was, whatnot. And there was just a bit of a mutual frustration that the motherhood scene is seen as quite mumsy. You know, you can yes. you become a mum and you have to start wearing kids and, and, you know, making your own <laughs> pies and I don't know what else. But, you know, the baby groups that you go to that are brilliant and there's an absolute need for them. But I don't want to sit in a cold village hall and sing nursery rhymes to my six-week-old baby that literally doesn't have a clue what is going on and probably falls asleep. So we just thought that, you know, the market has a massive hole in it where these women that are going through quite a lot are not being spoken to. There's nothing that truly focuses on the woman within motherhood. So we thought Mm. there's a gap. Let's fill it. Let's do something. And I think mums are so poorly represented in like films and in media and it's like I say this on quite a few episodes that it almost feels like sometimes you're either young and sexy and child free or you're like mumsy mum and there's like nothing in between and actually that just doesn't reflect the reality of having kids like you don't change who you are just because you've had a baby do you know what I mean yeah absolutely and it's not losing yourself you know you go through a lot and you might need to take some time out and figure out your priorities and how life runs now that you've got children but you're still you and you can still like the things that you liked before you became a mum and that is absolutely fine. And have you found that more of a challenge or did you find that more of a challenge having four? Because I guess the more kids you have, the harder it is to reclaim that time for yourself. So the main thing I find is the support isn't as good as what it used to be. They say it takes village and we no longer live next door to everybody. I'm a couple of hours away from my family. And so my childcare is 
mainly paid for childcare. So I made sure that I, I found a great nursery and you might have to pay for that help and childcare is expensive, but it's worth it mm. for your sanity. And yeah, just getting those things in place. Like we have a wonderful babysitter. We have a brilliant nursery and I trust and rely on these people to look after my children so that I can mm. work or see my friends or, you know, not everything has to be childcare is for work. You can have childcare mm. so that you can have a day to get yourself in order and see your friends and fill your cup. And that is absolutely as much value as whatever is in your wallet. Like you, you need that as a woman, as a mum. Absolutely. And I really like that expression, just filling your cup because it's so true. And I think so much of being a mum is just, you, you just give, it's just giving, giving, giving all the time. And it can feel like a really thankless task sometimes because yeah. your two-year-old doesn't necessarily care that you've been up all night with your twins. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they just <laughs> want the blue cup, which is in the wash that you can't get hold of yeah. at that exact second or whatever. At least I'm just repeating what my toddler is like, but there we go. <laughs> but it sounds like this childcare and this identity thing was something that's really important to you. So was there a time in your motherhood where you just felt like you were losing yourself? What is it that's made you focus on this? because it's a big thing to dedicate your professional life to. I think it was partly my experience. I don't know if I felt like I lost myself, but I, I felt bored. I had my daughter and you go through the motions, you know, you, you nap time, you're feeding, you this, you that. And at the end of the day, I felt like, what have I achieved? I went from um, <laughs> yeah. doing my degree and performing in shows and training all day and then coming home and going out for dinner with friends or my husband. And I was just sat in my living room for hours on end watching total mush on the telly. And it was just, I felt like my time was being wasted. And the more you speak to people, the more people are in the same boat, fighting the same fight. So why not do something that fills your cup? Like go for brunch. Your baby's six weeks old. They'll probably sleep. Do something nice. Put those nice clothes on. Get out the house. Like the getting out and going for a walk is invaluable. And getting out and going for a walk with somebody you enjoy their company is tenfold. Mm. Like it's so worth it. So yeah, I mean, I obviously have Lauren who we both felt very similar about the scenario. And the more you talk about it, I think it's very easy when you've got somebody to bounce ideas off and all of a sudden a bottle of wine later and you're like, right. So that definitely helped. I wouldn't be where we are with the mum club if I was doing it on my own. Having her as my support has been huge in motherhood and in business. It's a big thing having somebody to conversate with and feel the same. And that's very much what the mum club is about. You touched on a really interesting point there, which is the kind of boredom of motherhood. And I know that sounds like an awful thing to say, but I don't feel quite so bad because, I mean, you've said it first, really, but I think it's <laughs> it's something that I talk about with my close mum friends where I remember texting um, such an old colleague of mine, but we ended up being quite good friends when we both left the business that we'd been in. And my son was seven or eight months old, my first baby. And I remember saying, just really bored. Is yeah. this normal? Like, I love him, but I don't yeah. know what to do with him all day. Yeah. You know, there's only so much attention span he has. Yeah, okay, great. We go on walks, but I'm just really bored. And I remember feeling really ashamed of that bored feeling when actually it's not anything to be ashamed of at all. And I think lots of women feel the same, as you said. Absolutely. And I think the shame comes from, you know, there's lots of people in this world that aren't as lucky to have children or it's a lot harder. And there's that mm. guilt of you feel frivolous saying you're bored with your child, whereas you're not actually bored with your child. You're just bored with the mundane process of your day-to-day -day life right now. So that's where we come in and say, you know, 
especially in those early months, they do not care where they are. Put them in the buggy, (laughs) go shopping, go meet friends. When you become a mum, you almost think, okay, well, we have to stay in the house and we have to go to a baby class and we have to, you know, tick these boxes, do baby yoga and all those things have a place. But so does the thing that makes you happy and put your nice dress on, go and have a coffee, you know, have a blinking mimosa, like whatever you need to get you through that day, (laughs) like then do it because it is about motherhood and it is about the baby, but it's also about you. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And you said that Lauren's been really invaluable support to you and it's so fab that you're able to run something with somebody else who's not only good at what she does but also a really good friend so what's Lauren's background and what does she do she's got a great background Lauren's done lots of bits and bobs we obviously met through the rugby she worked for Vogue in New York for a short while yeah she's got a (laughs) she's got an interesting past and then yeah and now they live in Jersey actually so Rob her husband coaches out there now he's retired and he's moved into coaching so they live out there with their daughter Ronnie and then the rest is history. So how long has the mum club been going for and what was it like that first I don't know the Instagram page or the website and you think oh my god is this going to take off tell me about all of that. Yeah, so, I mean, like any good idea, we were around the kitchen table with a bottle of wine, just throwing ideas out there and talking about it. And, you know, if you've got a good idea, you get more and more excited about it when you're talking. And we just knew it was something we were going to do. And I think the the hardest thing was coming up with a name. It's a bit like your child, isn't it? You know, it's the name for life. Um, (laughs) So it's got to be good. And we kept coming back to the mum club and we were like, dude, it is what it is. It's a club for mums. So the name was born. And then next was the Instagram page and it it didn't take us very long these people we were meeting online they're all over the place you know and Instagram is great and it obviously has its downfalls but we wouldn't use it still to this day if it was worse than it was better. So absolutely it's an invaluable tool and it's brought so many people together. So we were just that next step that the people were brought together online and then we just facilitated that you know these are your people meet them in real life like they can be Mm. your friends and we've got people now that have met at our events that are godparents to each other's kids and they've been at each other's weddings and it is it's amazing it's been going for around five almost six years there was a small website and then lockdown happened our events obviously had to stop as everything did Mm. and we spent a lot of time at home and a lot of time deciding what comes next for the business and it was probably the best thing that could have happened for us because we completely rehauled we picked apart every section of our business and decided the new goals you know the new strategy the new website and what really was the driving focus for the business and like I said Mm. before that is the woman and that needs to be so Mm -hmm. clear we are here for the woman and to connect people and to put advice out there there was a lot that we thought there was online that needed to be correct advice expert led you know stuff that you really want to read as well so we had a bit of a rehaul and also launched our franchise which has been a bit of a dream from the start we had events going on in different areas uh, up to that point but we knew that a franchise model was what we needed because that was the only way we could reach everywhere when I say everywhere like globally is the goal we really want to expand as much as possible there is no reason why we shouldn't be anywhere that a mum lives you know and it's flourishing we've got 20 at the moment I believe and they're up and down the country as well as one in Jersey and yeah Mm -hmm. they're a great bunch of girls they're doing brilliant things that's absolutely fantastic the workload generally must be pretty big just to wade 
through all of these and answer direct messages and stuff. So how do you manage that with the kids as well? So last Christmas, we decided we could no longer function as Lauren and I, and we started employing people. So we've got a small team at the moment, but they're brilliant. They are helping us grow and it's it's very exciting where it's going. So yeah, we took on a few girls to help us out and it's been the best thing we've done, I think. So not only are you managing that, you're then also managing actual people. And I I would imagine some mums on that team, right? So you're having to also do flexible working, etc. Absolutely. So yeah, currently it's all mums, but yeah, that that is not in the job criteria. (laughs) Um, You don't have to be a mum. But yeah, it's great though. And you know, there's a lot around employing mums, actually. I can't remember who I was speaking to the other day, but they worked in uh, recruitment and they were saying the demand for actually working mothers is huge because these women, yes, they might have to go and pick their kids up early or whatnot, but they turn up and they work hard and they need to be there. They need to be paid and they're organized and they put 110% in. So there's actually a massive demand for working mothers at the moment. So it's quite an interesting one. And I remember going to like a women in business conference a while ago and I remember this bloke, I mean, it was pretty sexist, but he also made a pretty good point, which is that he was, he said, oh yeah, I love employing mums because you only pay them for four days a week and they work like six and a half, you know, in terms of the amount of output they give. And I was like, mate, wrong place to say that. (laughs) Very backhanded compliment, but he has a point. I mean, my mother-in-law always says, if you want something done, ask a busy person. And there is nobody busier than a mum. Very true. So I, I bet you couldn't even imagine that it is where it is now. No, it's it's definitely grown. It has outgrown our initial expectations, but I think it's like anything, you know, you buy a car and you want a boat and when you want a boat, you want a yacht. So our expectations are always, and our goals are always getting bigger and bigger, but it's, it's amazing. And we, you know, we want to grow global. We want to reach everywhere. We currently are, you know, the number one events for mums. So we just want to hold on to that and keep growing. And it must be pretty cool as well to have gone through that nappies decade in your 20s of just basically being like, oh my gosh, like I just need to get to the end of this. And coming to something and building something after you've had your kids. I mean, lots of people don't do it that way around. They do it the other way around or they do it halfway through or, or whatever. So what would you say to any women who perhaps have had kids a bit younger or who still really haven't found the thing that they want to do with the rest of their lives and are in the midst of having kids? What would you say to them? I think there's just so much time. You don't need to rush into anything. Figure out what you love, what you're happy to dedicate your time to, and something will come from it, whether that is working for somebody else or starting your own. If you love something and you want it to work, you'll make the time to do it. It is my fifth, Mm. sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth child. Like It's something that I invest in as much as anything else in my life. And you know, if you nurture something, it will grow. So I don't think there's pressure to find it right now you know if you you love something it it will work yeah and I think you've obviously proven that with mum cub 10 times over so I guess we're running out of time but (laughs) when you think about kind of the decades to come what do you want your kids to think about what you've done what you've achieved I hope they see that passion and hard work gets results essentially and whatever you put your time and effort into you'll get rewards you know don't be lazy (laughs) I think it's it's essentially the message but yeah I hope they're proud what we've done because I am and they are 
the driving force behind it. So yeah, I, I hope mm. they, they can see that. Was there ever a time when you were doing it that you questioned it and thought, oh, is this the right thing to be doing? Did you ever experience any setbacks? Yeah, I mean, there's always setbacks in business. It's a difficult one to know when to give up, I'd say. So I'm quite a stubborn person. So giving up isn't that much of an option. And uh, (laughs) Lauren is is similar. And I think that's where it's nice that two people are working on it. Because if anybody's having a rough day or a hard time, there's somebody else to lift up the spirits and keep pushing on. So yeah, there's always setbacks in business. You're always wanting more. There's probably never enough money to do what you want to do. And things always come up, family life. COVID, whatnot. That's the difference between people that don't make it in business and people that do to be a bit cutthroat. You know, there's a reason why mm. not everybody started a business and, and completed one. Well, completed one's probably not the right word, but yeah. So I think the the best thing you can do is push through. I listen to a podcast mm. and it's all about people starting businesses. And I think in every single one, it says, you know, it takes five years until you're making profit or your business is established. So, you know, if you're willing to put that time in, a bit of dedication, then it'll work. And I think a lot of people listening, myself included, I think when people heard I was doing stuff in the motherhood space, everyone was a bit like, eh, it's a lot going on there, you know, yeah. in that space. And I was like, yeah, there is. But I also think that there are gaps. And I, I totally agree with what you were saying in so far as there are really big gaps in what I call like woman centric motherhood. 100%. I think as well, like the whole empowering women movement that's going on and has been going on for a while, it's brilliant. And I completely back it. But it makes life hard sometimes because mums think, right, well, I've got to be a CEO and I've got to look after the kids and go to sports day and make sure the homework's done and do the washing and see my friends. And, you know, it's um, a, a woman. And look perfect. And, 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 and look great. Yeah. yeah, it's all the boxes. And it's not always that easy. And a lot of the time, it's mum that makes sacrifice within the family. I mean, not always, but a lot of the time it is something has to give. So it's mm. great. And I am completely support women and think they, they should achieve anything they put their mind to. But something has to give and whatever that is you know whether it's childcare, yeah your situation but it's a lot that women and take on it is and I think that something has to give is a really interesting point because it's not just like something has to give sometimes it's you just have to think about the order right yeah. so it's just what are my priorities and yes I might want to do all these things but as an example the looking great thing it might be that yeah that was a priority to me before I had kids but right now I can't focus on that because I've got this all these other things I want to achieve and I'm going to wait a bit until I have a bit more time and then I'm going to go back to that as an example and I had a chat with my husband recently about this where he was just saying that he can't believe that when he was younger people used to say things like oh she's really let herself go or whatever because he was like now I totally get it because now I see how hard it is to even as like the dad he was like I still haven't been to the gym I haven't been in weeks I really need to go and he was like I just can't believe that people used to say that yeah absolutely and it's kind of whatever you see as successful so you know you might not think having a six-pack and being a CEO is successful (laughs) if successful to you is everybody's happy and bathed and fed and you know you've got a great group of friends and you know that is enough so everybody listening watch this space and (laughs) definitely check out the instagram and check out jess's instagram as well which is lovely and yeah i just wish you all the best with it i think it's going to be absolutely incredible 
Well, thank you so much. And thanks for having me. I've, I've really enjoyed it. You're very welcome. Have a lovely rest of your day, whatever it is you're up to. Thank you. And you. You made it. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Returnity. We hope you found the discussion inspiring and informative. Returnity is about celebrating and supporting women on their back to work journeys. And speaking of support, don't forget about the Springback Guide. It's the innovative and cost effective solution for women and businesses alike. Empower yourself or your female workforce with confidence and success on the road to Returnity. To learn more about the Springback Guide and how it's changing the way we approach women's return to work, visit springbackguide.com. See you next week.